0: You
1: are now tuned in to the Gifted Gab. Yeah, my own name chords.
2: We're back, baby. Alrighty, another episode of 1K Combos on the Gifted Gab. For those of you who don't know, this is my good friend Brett. We were <laughs> we were teammates in college, and uh, it feels like forever ago. So long ago. That was a long time ago. I posted a picture of getting my
1: thousand points. Mm-hmm. It was four years ago. It's a long time. It's a long <laughs> it's time so ago. Long
2: ago. I think it was. We're in 2022. That means it was eight years since I first played it, Played with you. Eight years? Yeah, the first time. When 2014. 2014. Holy. Good times. Great times. Great times. <laughs> and we're here. Brett is also a business owner, he owns Legacy Athletics. And the hottest pro-am in the city right now, in Alberta actually. Maybe even mm-hmm. the country right now. Could be. I mean right now. <laughs> right now in the winter, you know. Uh, it's been it's been fascinating to be a part of. Got me uh dusting off my sneakers. <laughs> 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 Struggling to get up the court. <laughs> but Final. it's fun, it's fun. How does it feel like, you know, you've been doing basketball your whole life and mm. you found a way to continue to do it by opening this gym
1: yeah so one of the things that I found was when I was trying to figure out a career when people talked about business they said to be successful you need to provide a service to others you can't just do something to make money it has to be something that's a service and you can even remember and Concordia I was always organizing basketball runs, always trying to organize sessions to get guys together, always trying to bring people in through basketball. And when the pandemic hit and COVID started, I had to take a really hard look at figuring out what kind of service I could provide for people. And through my connections and the people I knew, it was kind of providing basketball and an opportunity to continue playing through the pandemic. I saw a couple people do it before. We had Dave Singleton Mm -hmm. open his up in Calgary, the prolific sports house. We had him on the Gifted yep. Fantastic facility, did a fantastic job. And then I saw Chris King and Golden Ticket Hoops do it in Lloydminster. Mm -hmm. And seeing those two do it through the pandemic kind of opened up my eyes that there was nothing like that in Edmonton and that I can kind of provide that service to our community mm-hmm. is kind of how it got started.
2: And when the pandemic had first hit, you were a teacher. Yeah. And so how did that kind of, you know, were you, like, where were you at mentally with the pandemic and w- with education before you said, okay, I want to open a facility?
1: It was a, a whirlwind of emotions because right from there, I was in school for seven years in college. It took me seven years to get, my science degree, followed by my education degree, and finally about to hit the workforce um, right when COVID hit. I was fortunate enough to get a job my first year out of school where I was teaching junior high. Through the pandemic, it was hard. To to put it bluntly, it was like I don't know how teachers are still doing it Mm -hmm. two years in, but to learn an entire curriculum for a class to execute on those on a day-to-day basis as a new teacher with very limited resources, very limited skills. It was hard, it was draining and it was tough because you didn't get the same interactions that you go into teaching for. Mm-hmm. You, go into te- you go into teaching to also provide a service an education for kids and to give them an opportunity to be better than what you were in school. But you didn't really get to do that because they got rid of sports. They limited extracurricular activities. They limited a lot of just like physical interactions with kids in recess and lunchtimes and things like that, where it was just all Mm school-based, which made it really tough. And then through the pandemic and then going into online learning, I'm not the most tech-savvy person in the world. (laughs) So on top of all those teaching (laughs) struggles... I had to do it all online, which made it even harder. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point. It's not that I didn't love teaching; I I loved it, and I loved helping the kids. And I think it if I wasn't running my own business, I'd jump right back into it. But when you have the opportunity to kind of be your own boss, set your own rules, and kind of define how you want to make an impact, I you kind of I had to take had to jump at the chance to do it. Yeah. So.
2: And now. It hasn't been a year yet. It's still pretty early, right?
1: Yeah. We opened up uh, in June, June of 2021.
2: Damn. It's still fresh, man. Yeah. It's still fresh. And everybody loves it. I mean, you got Mm -hmm. a great program going on. You got training. You got guys that come in on Tuesday, Thursday mornings to come play pickup. You know, it's like you've recreated the culture of, you know, the culture of basketball you've been used to. You know, in college and yeah. high school, and you just like plugged it into a place where there was none and yeah. this is Edmonton's first privately owned facility yeah right it's 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 big I mean, congratulations <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> you know
1: at the end of the day, I just want like both me and my wife Jerry wanted to have like we just wanted to make something that we wish we had during our prime playing days. When we were in college there was no access unless you were at the school during restricted hours or things like that. There was no place that it just said at any moment you could go hoop, go organize, go work on your game, go be in a culture and environment that promotes like being better, mm-hmm. promotes working on your craft to and doing it with others. So we just wanted to do something that we wish we had when we were playing. So being able to provide that for people that are in their primes or in their situations where they're still trying to grow their game of basketball, that's all we can kinda ask for. So, same thing with the Pro Am. We tried to build something where there wasn't a whole lot of high level amateur basketball in the adult leagues. And so we wanted to create something that we wanted that we wished that we were a part of. So we just decided to do it ourselves and Seems like it's turning out pretty good. People are really liking it. So.
2: Yeah, I love it, man. It's I have never played in the men's league. Um, no, you never no? played. Well, I played like in one f- briefly, but I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just the 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 challenge of like you know, putting a group of guys together, um, making the pieces fit. Mm-hmm. You know, managing the personalities. <laughs> It's been a gong show, but it's been fun. It's been like, you know, one of those things you're like, okay, this is actually pretty cool to do, you know? And then you see it kind of manifest itself in different ways. And you look at the beginning of the season, things looked one way, now it looks a completely different way, right? But it's all part of that process, right? Yeah. And you get to see people come through your gym, come to your facility, and just have fun. Yeah.
1: You know? They get to have a genuine experience, Mm -hmm. which as like a business owner and just as a person in general, to see someone come in and, and use your service or use what you have to offer to people in the community and enjoy that experience, that's all you can ever ask for. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that I met just in opening up in the last eight months and meeting them and getting to learn their stories and their, their experiences in both sports and in life has been wonderful. Even from players from your own team. Yeah. Like, I was talking to uh, Mahmood at midnight Mm. last week, (laughs) talking about his, like, life and how he was in Toronto and came to Cold Lake and ended up where he is now. So Mm. just things like that is personally rewarding. Mm -hmm. It's fulfilling. It's fulfilling, right? And
2: you get to have all these personalities in here, and you have this thing, this thing that brings everybody together, which is basketball. -hmm. Right, and you get to use it as a tool to continue to bring people together. I think it's 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 fascinating, and I think right now where Edmonton is at compared to like when I first came here in 2014 as a kid just trying to get out of Toronto, try to play some basketball, and the growth that I've seen in the city, just to be able to be a part of that growth, it's like you're contributing Mm -hmm. to this. Booming economy, yeah, right. Just to be a part of, like, hey, this place is becoming a great place to live. Legacy is a part of that, you know. Kashan's a part of that. The Gift of Gab is a part of that, right? Being to have, being able to have that impact, yeah, is everything. And it's not what you may have imagined when you graduated. Yeah, right. You went in there, you got a job teaching, which is really fortunate. Mm-hmm. I, it's not too many people I know that get a job in their field. Right after graduating?
1: No. I was out of a class of 60. I think it was six people. Holy smokes. That had like a... Not, it wasn't like a permanent contract, but even just a full-time job. So I had... I, I think mine was from uh, uh, maternity leave. Mm-hmm. So I had... I think it was a six-month contract, but about probably 50 of my classmates were on the sub list, just going, literally waking up every morning, looking what subs were needed, w- available, going to different schools and things like that. A lot of people went into teaching for that, mm-hmm. just getting to be a sub and go to schools and things like that. But a lot of people that wanted that full-time kind of commitment at one school, a lot of people did not get that opportunity. Yeah. So I was very fortunate to have that opportunity.
2: So, And when you were in it, you know, did you feel, and I don't know what, if you have an answer for this, but when you were in it and you were actively teaching, right, because you had worked seven years to get to that point, mm-hmm. did it ever occur to you that you're like, damn, this isn't really what I signed up for?
1: There's definitely those moments. That happens in, in any business at any time. There's even times in the last eight months, it's like, mm-hmm. how am I going to do this? How do you get through these kind of roadblocks or these even just mental challenges? Um, but there there's definitely like circumstances where, you, where it makes it difficult to visualize yourself doing that for a long career. I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of and i don't want to say that the education system is flawed but there's things that it's flawed. Will the education <laughs> system is very flawed. Is flawed. <laughs> there there there's things that are that are going to need to improve mm-hmm. in the upcoming years when the pandemic ends that really restructure how education is done and being a first year teacher with no kind of control in how you can kind of Influenced those kind of things made it really tough to want to continue to be a part of it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. Cause it's this. I, I cannot imagine how, not only like junior high students or high school students or elementary students, which I think elementary students right now have it the worst out of everyone, mm-hmm. but even college and university students with this going on, you know, you're paying tuition to learn, to get skills for education, and this thing keeps going back and forth, and it's it's so wishy-washy, and it's just, I couldn't imagine just being in that situation right now. Yeah. You know, I couldn't imagine what it must feel like to, you know, have all your classes in person, and then a message comes and says, all classes are going online. You know, and with education, you know, at post-secondary, you're building your life around... A schedule, right? Yeah, a, routine. A, t- a routine. A routine. Routine yeah. is so integral in, in, this, in these systems. And then here comes these things that are like, oh, okay, well, well, are not coming to school anymore. You know? I couldn't imagine for myself, but I couldn't imagine for our teachers and, and educators how mm-hmm. hard it must be on them to continue to try and deliver programs when...
1: Your routine's thrown out of whack? Yeah. it. it you, I think everyone can kind of relate to it in effect when the pandemic hit and everyone had to be from home everyone's routine and in some sense got completely flipped and shifted and that transition was difficult Mm -hmm. learning how to be from home be productive how to stay mentally well physically well while not having your day-to-day routines that you lean on. Because everyone leans on some kind of routine one way or another to stay mentally sane, physically well, and kind of keep your day-to-day operations going. For kids who are learning what those routines are and need those strict structures of routine to be productive and effective when it's constantly changing, they don't have that time to adjust and to adapt because they just don't have that mental capability to do it yet. Even like when I consider myself as a bad enough student as it was with, <laughs> with, all, with all the routines in place, right? With everything given to me to be effective and productive, I still wasn't very good at it. Mm-hmm. If you took those things away from me, I don't even know what I would have done. I probably wouldn't have done any learning. Mm-hmm. Like, or at least like, had very limited opportunity to put myself in good situations to learn especially at the college level. Oh, yeah. But like when you're even looking at the, like you said, the youth in which they don't have those abilities, that's so much more difficult. And especially when you, teachers, their biggest quality is having connections with students to help them in their routines and in their development. When you're on a screen in a monitor or your face is covered and you can't get close to anybody, you can't develop those connections to really help motivate and inspire kids to teach which made it so difficult it's so hard to inspire someone through a screen than it is if you're sitting across a table from them right so
2: just even on that screen thing i think when we were doing this podcast when the pandemic first hit we tried to do the screen thing Mm -hmm. and we couldn't do it we couldn't do it because it just it's not the same yeah you know, you can't bounce off someone. You can't soak in what someone is saying when there's a screen between both yeah. of you. You know, it doesn't, it just takes away from the entire experience. Yeah. So as a student, you know, I, I could not imagine I wouldn't be engaged in learning online if my lecture had to be online. My teacher was behind the screen. My my thing would be off and I'd be probably on my phone or doing something mm-hmm. else, you know. It, it, it just makes it much less essential and more of a chore Mm -hmm. when you insert that screen there you know Mm -hmm. and i think for a lot of kids for me especially school for me was a social thing you know i got Mm -hmm. to really meet different people i got to really Mm -hmm. you know put myself in situations that i wasn't used to it wasn't it was never about education for me no you Mm -hmm. know and you take that away you know what other incentive does someone have To go to class anymore, you know what I mean? I I, I don't know. I think that we were saying this before that the pandemic was like the last straw in terms of people having faith in these organizations and institutions. And I think that it's not teachers' fault. Mm -hmm. It's that the system's fault. The system hasn't given them enough... To work with the same way the system doesn't give nurses enough to do their job or, you know, police the right amount of training to do their job. You know, I think that what we've seen these last two years is the faith just really just dwindling when it comes to these institutions.
1: Well, you have like old structures that have not adapted to current situations and current kind of philosophies and how they how you're supposed to produce certain outcomes. Even um, like if you talk about global warming and things like that, when you try and have radical change to make an impact now, if you would have did small incremental adaptions and changes in the last 20, 30 years, you wouldn't need a radical change because you would have been able to implement things throughout that would have made small differences over a long period of time. We're in that situation now where the education system has made not enough changes in the last 20, 30 years, and now a radical change is going to need to occur due to COVID and to do how we're moving forward into the future. Same thing with the police system. Same thing with the nursing system. These are 20, 30, 40-year-old um philosophies implemented with very minor changes where they should have been making more adaptations, more changes, and now radical change is probably going to need to occur.
2: hmm Absolutely. It's 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 interesting that the only place where radical change or even incremental change or change always happens is in the business world. Mm-hmm. You know, the business world constantly sees Innovation Because Innovation drives Like like uh, It drives everything Right When you think about like Your Gym Legacy mm-hmm. Right Nobody had thought I should open a gym in Edmonton Until you came along Right The yeah. next person has to think Has to be more innovative yeah. Right Or maybe it's you that has to be more innovative mm-hmm. To build On what you've already built Right yeah. But in other institutions And in other facets of life and society everything else moves so slow you know with health policing even financial institutions all that stuff it's like all these models are outdated yeah right and then when something new comes along everybody's like whoa 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 like hold on radical change yeah this is too radical We already have this thing that -hmm. works like no bro it doesn't it doesn't work no it doesn't work you have banking systems that like punish people for being broke. Mm -hmm. If you don't have money in your account and a bill comes out, you have to pay an NSF fee. That's flawed, right? Mm -hmm. You have nurses that there's not enough nurses Mm
0: -hmm.
2: or there isn't enough nurses, but there isn't enough places for them to, you know, like think about the pandemic that showed Mm a lot, like how fickle our healthcare system is. Mm -hmm. It's free. We Mm -hmm. pay for it, you know, but it's still so fragile. Yeah. You know, And, like, it seems that the only place where innovation is constantly pushed and invited and welcomed is the business world.
1: You want to know why? Why? Because you can't have a monopoly in business. Once you have a monopoly, you can stay the same because nothing else can challenge you. When you have businesses set in place, a new business can occur with better more change, better deals, better pricing, you have to adapt or it doesn't work anymore. There's not a there's not a new like police 2.0 like being set up that's going to challenge the old one. Mm-hmm. There's not a new school system, education system that will challenge the public education. There's not a new healthcare system that's going to challenge the old one. When you have a monopoly, you can stay complacent, Mm. which is one of the biggest things that people have is complacency, in which if you have something that's good enough, good enough gets by, but you get exposed when flaws start to occur. Just like this pandemic exposed the healthcare system. The pandemic exposed the private, or I mean the education system. We've had a lot of discrimination and racist things pop up that have been exposing our policing system and all these other government systems in place because they're a monopoly. In business, you don't get that hmm. because you can always challenge a business because
2: it's never a monopoly. That's interesting. I never actually thought about it like that. So. <laughs> that's, a, that's a gem right there. I mean, yeah, when you think about it, nobody's challenging our public, sis- our public systems. I think people are trying to change them from the outside, but there's nothing. There's no direct competition that forces these people to say, "Hey, no, we need to, we need to step up." Like you know, the world is withering away. I think we should change the way we use energy. Like nobody's mm-hmm. thinking like that. I mean, mm-hmm. people are thinking of radical changes, mm-hmm. but then the radical changes gets met with so much resistance. Red tape. Yeah, red tape. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like. Where we are right now is a place that's been a lot more open to change. Yeah. From what I've seen, I've, I've lived in several cities, and I think that conversations are a good start. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you radical change is necessary. But like you were saying, like we haven't taken the incremental steps to to change the things that are broken. Yeah, they've been broken. A lot of these systems were designed like this. And they stayed like this with intention, right? Especially when you think about, you know, our post secondary our post secondary system. Like paying for higher education, right? Mm-hmm. Well yeah, there's government funding that'll give you a loan to, to you know, and all this stuff, but the actual the actual model of it hasn't actually shifted at all. No. Hasn't gotten better and you said six People from your graduating class, 6 out of 60, that's, that's 10%. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, if you showed me those numbers when I was going to school, I wouldn't freaking go to school. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's such outdated philosophies that we're still trying to rely on that mm-hmm. need radical change. And, like, where is it going to come from?
1: Yeah. Right? I, I think it comes from our generation. Like, I think it comes from an open-minded generation of people that want to promote change. What kind of has occurred is that you're always going to have people that have been in the system for 20, 30 years of their life that base their models and base what they're doing on where they started from. That could be from the 80s, the 90s, all the way into the 70s, where those ideals, No, people don't really like change. People don't like to change. So when you have people in place that makes it very tough to be open to. It makes these radical changes or even the incremental changes harder. That's why there's so much red tape, so many like obstacles to hop through just to have something change. I hope that our generation is more open and more positive towards that and more outgoing in that because I think it's needed at this point mm-hmm. for a lot of our systems. Well,
2: I mean, I think... For you, I, I can imagine that stepping into the business world has made you much more forward-thinking towards change. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're continuously having to think about new ways to get things done. Mm-hmm. You have, and that's the thing. Like things have to get done. Yeah. You know, there's only one of you and one Jerry. It's like, okay, well, you know, we've got this much payroll yeah. and this much tasks. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to. Fi- you have to be more efficient and more more uh, comes back down to innovation.
1: And, and one of the biggest things is that when you're a business owner, you don't get the privilege to blame others <laughs> if things go well. If you're, in a, if you're an employee, you can always blame the protocols. You can always blame your managers. You can always blame your boss. When you're a business owner, if things aren't going well, the only thing you can look at is in the mirror. Mm. And if you're not willing to be innovative or to change, things will continue to go the way they are till failure. So, when you're in that position where all you have is the mirror to look at, you have to be innovative. You have to change and adapt to mm. stay successful or be successful or to grow. Mm.
2: So, yes, that's, that's 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 true right there. I actually never thought about that. You can't look at anybody else when you're a business owner. It's like, are you going to make this thing go or not? Yeah. You know, I, I was, we were talking about kind of like how with the gifted gab, we've really been able to refine our process over the last three years. It'll be three years in May. Mm-hmm. And at first, you know, we're like, damn, like, this is a lot harder than we expected. Yeah. But we couldn't blame anybody. We had to be like, Yeah, we got to figure, got to figure it out. You know, you either do it or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Can't blame your viewers or
1: for any or anything like that. You can't like it's it's on you.
2: It's on you, yeah. And 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 at the end of the day, the market decides when you're in business or content or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The market decides if it's yeah. good. You know, if the person who watches, the person who goes to Legacy or whatever, if they like their, if they like what the experience that you're bringing them, mm-hmm. they'll come back again. You yeah. know. If they, if they really be like it, they'll tell somebody else to come back again, mm-hmm. right? And and that's how you grow. But you can't blame anybody. You just got to say, okay, well, I know that this is not working here. What am I going to do to fix it? Yeah. yeah, And you can't wait till tomorrow. That's mm-hmm. another thing I, I always emphasize when it comes to this stuff is like you can procrastinate at school. I was a serial mm-hmm. procrastinator when I was in school. <laughs> <laughs> I would wait. You yes, know? you were. <laughs> that was bad. Actually, you know what? I had one of the better GPAs on the team. That's not here or there. But <laughs> <laughs> I did not. <laughs> but I did leave things to last minute because I could. Yeah. You know, there wasn't anything really depending on me getting these things done except for my grades. Yeah. No. When you come into this world, there is none of that. It's it's if you don't mop that floor before you're open, somebody's going to get hurt, and that's going to cost you a lot of money on the back end.
0: -hmm.
2: Everything comes down to accountability in business, and if you're willing to hold yourself, I actually the last few episodes, accountability has been a big theme, and I think it occurs with anything in life. You know, there's no progress that you can make for yourself if you're not accountable, if you're not aware of where you're going wrong, and you know when you come into this the world of entrepreneurship, you can't hide. No. Those those flaws, those things that you're not willing to work on or not willing to tackle head on, they come back to bite you in the ass. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been skimping on paying somebody to do this, to, to fix that roof leak. Yeah, you know, because you don't have money. Well, then one day it's gonna leak and cra- come crashing down.
1: Like. It, it problems only get worse mm. if you like if you try and procrastinate a problem. It doesn't, and the thing is, it doesn't stay the same either. It gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse until it's either is a problem you cannot solve yourself or it becomes a problem that you are unable to manage mm-hmm. yourself, right? Or something that has to be addressed at that current moment before it destroys other things, right? And that's why they say accountability is one of the key things of success regardless it's all that accountability will always be in any aspect of life because it's one of the key things for success even in sports you don't hold yourself accountable to doing your daily routines your exercises your training you won't be able to perform to the level that you want to be quote unquote successful Mm -hmm. whatever that successful term is same thing with business same thing with education same thing with anything that you want to reference needs success
2: which needs accountability? Yeah, we always we always bring it back down, back to our accountability. And I think, I don't know, it's 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 a weird place we've come into with the pandemic because for a while everybody was stripped away from work and routines, like you said. For me, I was just I was chilling for a bit. I was really mm-hmm. chilling, you know. And I'm like, you know, I don't have to be accountable for a bit, and just like that, I put on thirty pounds. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure that's happened to a lot of people throughout this pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. But the hard part is like, okay, are you aware that you've let yourself go? That accountability comes back in. yeah. And are you willing to say, okay, well, I need to get back on track. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and, and I think that the last two years, people have began to become more accountable for where they are exactly at in life. You know, because that two years, this two years, not even the two years, that's just the summer of 2020, Mm -hmm. everything shut down. Like, Mm -hmm. everything. There was no more noise. Mm -hmm. There was no more distractions. You were literally able to look in the mirror and say, okay, what's going on right now? Where am I at? And besides the pandemic, how did we get here? Yeah. You know? And what do I really want to do? Right? Mm -hmm. You were able to do it, and you and Jerry turned around and opened a gym. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's remarkable. But I think that now people are starting to realize that the work that they were doing for someone else and had someone else holding them accountable for this thing at their job or whatever— They can do for themselves Mm -hmm. and really make way more strides than clocking into the same routine every day for the hell of it. For sure.
1: I think I think the pandemic created a very big, drastic fork in the road in which it created opportunities and people either negatively bent or like not like either people had a negative experience or a positive experience. When you were stuck at home, you had all the time in the world, but zero accountability. So there were people that didn't take care of their mental health. That could be from not knowing how to do it in the current situation that they were in and needed to adapt. Maybe didn't. Same thing with physical health. You were at home. You were away from what you were typically used to. People that have adapted were are able to have kind of a mental fortitude where they're, they enjoy that kind of isolation or can find ways to benefit from being stuck at home. Same thing with your physical well-being as well. People found ways to work around those obstacles, and it gave people an opportunity to self-grow if you wanted to you were at home, you there was, the internet was available, you could have picked up a new skill, you could have developed a new habit. Like for, for me and my wife, when we wanted to build our business, we literally spent every waking moment after our jobs researching, planning, and we had a business model and a thing in place in less than two, three months. Whereas if you had, weren't stuck at home, Or if you were able to go outside and you kind of, it would have been way longer. It would have taken years to get this plan done because it would have always been put off. But since you had nothing else going on, you could make it a priority and you could really work on self-improvement. I think even for a lot of companies, they either negatively fell off or they skyrocketed Mm -hmm. based on their situations.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Nike was one of those companies. Over the pandemic, they'd actually shut down a lot of their retail stores mm-hmm. and said, we're just going to deliver these products direct to consumer. <laughs> and during the pandemic, their stock crashed to like $40, $50. Dollars, mm-hmm. And now they're trading $50 dollars over what they were trading yeah. before the pandemic because of what you're saying is that companies were able to pivot. Yeah, You know, the, the skill of pivoting. It's so important, yes. right? And and the pandemic allowed for some people to truly pivot, whether it was pivoting completely as an individual, pivoting in your business or whatever it was you're doing, pivoting yeah. in your career. It allowed people to pivot. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think that was the one thing that should have been taken from this last two years is that there was some hole that you could squeeze yourself through, and it was really a pivot. If you could get through this weird time yeah. where nothing was going on, you could come on the other end.
1: A completely different person. Yeah. In a completely different situation. Absolutely. You could have... You, and you still can. You still like, can. And the thing is that like, people always assume that they've always missed the golden ticket opportunity. You can pivot... At any moment. Anytime. You can start at any moment. Whether you're a day behind someone else, a year behind someone or something, it doesn't really matter. The key thing is always just about starting. Mm -hmm. Start that pivot and see where you end up. Because the longer it takes to pivot, just the longer it takes to get out on the other side. Mm -hmm. So even like in being like in the stock market, how you mentioned the greatest time to get into a stock market is during a crash. Right? Where if you are aggressive enough or able to pivot and invest more into something that's crashing, you will end up better on the other side. Yeah. Right? If you would have if you would have invested any amount of money the f- February 28th or whatever when it crashed in 2020, you'd be Whoa, stupidly man. rich right now. <laughs>
2: Not just stocks, Bitcoin, all this stuff just Everything crashed and then everything took off. And I mean, some of us missed it and I missed some of it. (laughs) It is what it is. But I think, like you said, the golden ticket is anytime. You decide when that golden ticket is. You can choose at any moment to say, I need a change. I need Mm -hmm. to make a change in my life. I need to take this in a new direction because you just have to be accountable of like, Wherever I'm at right now Mm -hmm. Is because of whatever actions Or whatever has Taken place Up till now You are always the sum Of your decisions At every given moment Mm -hmm. You're in this place because Certain amount of decisions And some circumstances Had put you here And and taking that into consideration You say okay What can I do a little bit differently To maybe shift that To maybe put me in a different position This time next year My My um my goalposts, not even my goalposts, my point of reference usually is my birthday. And I always use my birthday and say, okay, where was I this time last year? Mm-hmm. You know, even when it's not my birthday, I always say, okay, where was I this time last year? What was I doing mm-hmm. this time last year? What did my financial situation look like? What did my, you know, with the gifted gap look like? You know, what did the business look like this time last year? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and I always use that reference point to kind of say, okay, this is what we're doing this time last year. Okay, we've improved here. Okay, we we haven't improved over here. You know, you can mm-hmm. really pinpoint. You can try to pinpoint where you're going well and where you're not going well. Yeah, you know, and even basketball too. You want to talk about hoops? Same yeah. thing. You know, okay. What am I? What was I able to do well this time last season? Mm-hmm. What did I improve on? What haven't I improved mm-hmm. on? You know, it's const It's that desire to constantly improve, which People deem as hustle culture, yeah. you know, which is it gets a very negative connotation when you talk about hustle culture and always mm-hmm. working and all that stuff. And I mean, teach their own. But for me, I don't want to be in the same place next yeah. year, yeah, as I am this year. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to be the exact same player next season, yeah, from the season right now you know what i mean i think you have to you have to strive for self-improvement i don't know what else there is to strive for yeah what else are you really working towards no there's not there's nothing you
1: always there's always self-improvement self-development both personally in your career or anything like that
2: even spiritually yeah yeah
1: you know and 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 mentally emotionally physically
2: everything and i think that's for me what the pandemic was that for me it was like Mm -hmm. okay I have a chance to mentally, like, really clear my head with some of these things. You know, I got laid off during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. you know, so I was like, okay, well, I knew it was going to happen. I had a feeling. And I said, well, if I get laid off, I'm just jumping off the cliff with everything else I have going on. Like, forget about going back to work. And I I just, not that I have anything against 9 to 5s, I just, Mm -hmm. I realized that the work I was doing, for another company, I could be doing for myself and reap all those rewards for myself. Yeah, it's not that I'm anti nine to five or I'm anti employee. It's none of that. It's that mm-hmm. I realize that I'm doing all this work. I'm researching. I'm budgeting. I'm managing. I'm 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 driving here, driving there for my job, mm-hmm. and looking at this check at the end of the month, and I'm like, this is this is crazy. Mm-hmm. If I just do that for myself, okay, maybe in the beginning it might be a little rough, but on the back end after, you know.
1: For for me, and s- same thing, I have nothing against 9 to 5s because I was going to be in a 9 f- to 5 for my entire life.
2: i like 8.30 <laughs> to 3.30. <3:30. laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like 8.30 to 9.30 oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at night, <laughs> um, which is what I was doing, especially as a first-year teacher. Like mm-hmm. It was like be there at 7, leave at 5, mark till seven, plan for the next day, last minute till nine, just go to bed, do it all over again till the weekend, and then you mark everything on the weekend. But, like, for me, the biggest thing in which why I had my big pivot is that when I look at the grand scheme of life, I wanted something that I could look back on that I could say that I made an impact And I think the reason I went into teaching is because I think you can make a very big impact. But when you are a business owner and when I was doing something of your own, it feels like you could make a bigger impact. I feel like with my basketball business, I can bring more people together. I can bring about more change individually. And I can leave something behind for my kids and for future generations Where they look back and they say me and my wife started this business wherever that may be in 10, 20, 30, 100 years that's always the goal to leave something behind for the world to use when you're gone so
2: absolutely I want to break there are you tired of the running around for a specific hair product for a specific type of hair are you tired of overpaying for services like weave and extensions well are you in the northwestern canada's best kept secret afro era in north edmonton is now open and operating right at londonderry mall come shop all things black including hair care beauty products and accessories and hair itself now accepting online orders as well as walk-ins for braids weave and more there's no more running around to find the right products and services your hair is a statement so treat it like one visit us in-store or shop with us online at (laughs) (laughs) afroera.ca you won't imagine how many times it's too many buttons too many buttons to press like four it's a lot of buttons (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot of buttons man you you and jerry you and jerry are goals like you guys were able to build a business together and and it's 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 truly amazing and staying on the topic of pivoting every teacher that i invent you know they stay in the realm of teaching Mm -hmm. right and even what you're doing is still there's some teaching in it you know what i mean but what, what was that pivot for you? Like, how did you say, I want to open a business? Because not many people are able to make that transition. Yeah, That's a very difficult transition to go from being an employee, working in a system and a structure that's already built for you, Yeah, and saying forget it, I'm just going to do my own thing. Like, that's not easy. That is actually one of the hardest things. For, for me, it's the hardest thing in my life was to transition into saying, I'm going to create my own structure and do all this stuff myself.
1: I think the, the biggest thing is that you need to have connections and people that you've, you've met in your life and reference those connections and their experiences to build your own ideology. So for me especially was, like, my family, my father. He's a farmer. In a sense, in some sense, it's an entrepreneur. You it have is an entrepreneur. A farmer so, is an entrepreneur. Like, and, like, you do your... Everything that you have to do is done yourself, whether it's putting seeds in the ground, cultivating, all those kind of things, seeding, combining, swathing, raising cattle. Like, you got to feed them, you got to look after them, you got to raise them, and then you got to sell them. All those kind of things you... I learned how to pick up those skills at a very young age. Like, um, like I was working by 8, 9 years old after school doing stuff. We had hogs, we had pigs, we had cows, and we had a grain farm. And every day after school, if, you wanted, if I wanted to do something, I had to work before I could do it. So if I wanted to go to basketball practice, the pigs all had to be fed or else I don't get to go. So that developing work ethic, but developing the put your time and effort in to get a certain reward or outcome was taught to me at a very young age. So when I was in education and the opportunity to do something else for myself presented itself, I understood how much work I needed to put in to get a certain outcome. And for me, the work is easy. I can work all day long on anything if i'm motivated and especially it's something that i drive to do so even for like when we were in college playing together when i would go home for the summers after school was done i would wake up at 5:45, be at the gym at six work out for two hours be home by eight work from 8 a.m until 8 p.m doing farm work whatever that may have been whether it was fencing, doing cattle, working in the fields, and then I'd go from 8 o'clock till 10 o'clock, played and train basketball at the local gym, go home, sleep, do that seven days straight all summer long with n- no days off. The only days off I got was when I was fortunate enough to work all morning and afternoon and then get an evening off where I'd drive an hour and a half to go see my girlfriend in the city. At the time, and then immediately drive home at one or two in the morning (laughs) just to be able to get back up at 6 a.m. because I wasn't missing a workout for that. So, that work ethic was always built into me. So, when the pandemic hit and I had to learn how to do certain things that I didn't have skills or tools for, I was able to work like a madman at it. So, I think one of the coolest things about where I am now is that I didn't have a business degree. I didn't have a business background or education to open up and be a business owner. I was a teacher. I did all the work that I had to do to be a teacher. And then I had to do self-learning, which I think during the pandemic was such an eye-opener for people that the resources to do anything or learn anything you want in the world is on the internet now. Mm -hmm. You don't need a post-secondary business degree you don't need to go to Harvard or any of these places to learn something I was able to build a business model I was able to figure out how to do financial operations I was figured out how to do proposals for money all those things in the evenings online whether it was YouTube videos literally just googling how to do something and reading 10, 15 articles on something to get a general concept of it. And so, and I was able to do that in such a short amount of time. I was able to have my business model and all those things built in two or three months while having a nine to five job, while being in a pandemic. And that I was able to open up right when the pandemic kind of alleviated a lot of its rules. So, putting myself in that opportunity was just based on hard work and referring back to that accountability. Mm. I think it makes it a lot easier to be accountable when you find something that you're passionate about, which I think a lot of people struggle with right now is that people think that they like something, but as soon as they have to do it to the point where it's uncomfortable, it's not really passion anymore. But when, for me, I could have played basketball till... I was blue in the face till I literally could crawl, and I'd still continue doing it because I'm passionate about it. I love the sport of basketball. Same thing when it comes to my own business. I'll do whatever it takes to become successful because I want to provide a quality service to others. That's what I'm passionate about. I want people to come in and have a positive experience with what I own and what I do. So whether that means I have to get there at 6 in the morning to sweep the floors or whether I have to stay at midnight or 1 o'clock at night to make sure that things get done for the next day, I don't mind doing that. When I opened up Legacy in June, I was there every single day from June until the end of September.
2: Holy smokes.
1: I did not miss being there a single day for probably three months. Whether that was Sunday, whether that was Wednesday, I was there every single day making sure that things was done right so that I knew that I could take pride in what I was offering to people. Because I think that's one of the biggest things when you want to make sure that when your people have to pay for something oh. that you have, it has to be to a certain standard that you can be proud about. It's not about, like obviously I am a, I'm a premium sports facility. I don't get the privilege to offer the same prices as giant government corporations are able to do with their facilities. So I have to make it a service and a standard that much exceeds what they're able to do because I can personalize what I'm able to have so much more than them. So you have to make sure that that's at the best of its ability to be able to provide that service for people which I think is hard to do if you're not passionate about it. If you're all about the money, mm-hmm. those services slowly don't seem as important. But when you're passionate and you love what you do, it does, it's not hard. It's not hard to do those things because you want to do them, not because you have to, because you personally want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what passion and finding things that you want to do in life is so important. Mm-hmm. Whether for me, I knew right off the bat, I knew I wanted to help people. That's why I went into education. I wanted to help kids. Whether I had to pivot and do something to help people in a different way, it's all just about helping people. And I think people need to figure out what their passion is and being able to find something that they can provide to the community and provide to others with their passion. Something like the Gifted Gab, you're providing education and a platform for people like myself to express their stories, to impress, express their ideologies for others to hear, right? You guys have a service, and you provide something to the community that is so important. So,
2: I think you nailed it, man. Passion is, is, is the key. Passion. Like, I have a lot of people approach me with great ideas, mm-hmm. but I can tell they're not passionate about it. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, it's a great idea. And I can see that your only motivation for this idea is money. Yeah, or fame, or 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 clout, or whatever it is, and I don't know about you, but for me, I can see through that. You know, yeah. I can see through people when they come with. A, it it might be a great idea, yeah. but what happens when you hit a a wall, and you don't have the answers to get past this obstacle? What do you do at the current time? Yeah, <laughs> do you do you turn around and give up because that doesn't help with execution that doesn't help Mm -hmm. you get the idea done you know passion i think we don't give ourselves enough time to like fall into a passion you know i I can tell that you've always been passionate about educating Mm -hmm. right and you thought it would be teaching for you now you found a new vehicle to Mm -hmm. continue to teach that combines the other passion right it's not rocket science.
1: No, you know, <laughs> very, very straightforward. It's
2: it's very very straightforward. <clears throat> you find something you're passionate about, and you will stop at nothing to get it done. The problem is, we pigeonhole ourselves, and I I I, I feel like this comes up a lot, you know, because we talk about circumstances, and, and sometimes it's not up to we don't get to pursue our passions, but I don't know if I quite buy that. I was talking to my brother. Uh, what was I, talking I was talking to somebody about it We were talking about the concept of starving artist mm. Right The concept that people who do art Don't make enough money To cut it yeah. In life Sometimes A lot of times Majority of the time mm-hmm. And I was saying that I, I I don't buy that You know Because if you're passionate enough About your art You'll find a way To make it sustainable yeah. So that you can live off of it mm-hmm. Right It's It's about understanding god damn it it's about understanding that there is a way and that you have to find a way you have to really be relentless in your pursuit if you're like i'm a painter and i want to do this the rest of my life and if you're truly passionate about it mm-hmm. you're going to find a way to do it for the rest of your life yeah right the same way you're like i have this idea for this facility and i'm going to put the resources together because i know where to find them mm-hmm. i'm gonna make it happen yeah. Right. It, it, it's it's, <coughs> but I also think that as individuals, we don't give ourselves enough time to explore what we're genuinely interested yeah. in. You know, we don't give ourselves enough time to say, okay, well, I tried this thing and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Well, let me try this thing out and this thing out and this thing out. I think that we have a lot of problems with our identity and and feeling like that we have to identify with the thing that we do.
1: Yeah. Right. Oh, for sure. You know, like, you Identity, you're is, a, identity oh. is a big thing in life and in finding what you want to do and what you want to be in life. Absolutely. And it starts at such a young age. Like, I don't, I don't think people try enough things at a young age. And, you know, that, that can definitely be a thing of circumstance. I don't think that it is an excuse because I think it you can like we said before, you can start anything at any age, so whether you didn't get that opportunity or privilege to try new things when you were younger, you can always do it later on. There's a million stories of people starting things later on in life when they found their passion. I think people have to be more open and understanding to trying to find their passion as early as they can by trying new things and different things, but I think you find a lot of people with fake passion like you said that think that they want something but they think that they want it because it's a good idea that maybe generates money or something even even when you talk about the starving artists true passion has nothing to do with monetary gain the people that are the greatest people in their sport or in their skill or whatever it is in life they are passionate to its core, where money is not a problem. Like, it's not an obstacle for them. There's painters before they were famous that were making no money. They were just doing it because they loved it. Same thing with athletes. They would play their sport regardless of whether they were making money or not. You talk about successful business people. They would provide that service whether they were making ends meet or not. It's about true passion has nothing to do with monetary gain. Mm -hmm. Once you create a service or a skill through passion that is at a high enough standard, eventually monetary gain will happen. But that's not the reason to get into that passion or to get into that skill is for monetary reasons. If you are, that's not true passion. Mm -hmm. That's business greed. Yeah, Trying to exploit a skill that you might have at a certain standard. But if you're trying to fake that standard to get more monetary gain, I don't think that's true passion.
2: Yeah, we see a lot of that actually with in this day and age of um, this exploitation yeah. of, of of certain skills or certain, you know, crafts or whatever. I think, like, the modern... Entrepreneur that is so glorified On the internet right now Is Bullshit You know Because I think that Entrepreneurship And stuff like that It's like You figure out a way To do what it is That you love to do And give it to people Because It's bigger than you Mm -hmm. Right It's not about you You know When we're serving Our customers And selling them carpets It's not about The monetary exchange It's the It's the the experience of coming in here and feeling that sense of community that we're bringing you and that you feel comfortable enough with that experience to say, you know what? I'm going to take this rug.
1: Yeah. And it's providing a product that you can be proud about, right? They get to, you're giving them a product that they are going to use in their home for years to come. You want to make sure that it upholds what you're all about. There's someone who, like, and the thing with entrepreneurship is that it's glorified because you can't really explain the hard truths that you have to deal with. The only way to explain it is to experience it yourself. You can't explain, like, I can talk on a mic and say 60 or 90 straight days of work is, like, the grind or whatever or the hustle that you need to do to be successful. I don't think people understand what... Day 59 feels like to wake up and go to that same place again and not know whether you're going to have anybody show up to your building or not that day, right? Or for you, opening up the store and not knowing whether someone's going to come in and buy something that day and whether that happens today, the next day, three days in a row, five days in a row, Right? Two weeks in a row. Two weeks, <laughs> like, especially when the pandemic hits where things like where we had to pivot, that pivot is a long, hard challenge. And people don't understand what that challenge is like until you are in it. Mm-hmm. So there's a um, guy who, does, it's called 75 Hard. He does a podcast as well. I want to say it's Andy Frisella mm-hmm. who talks about that. People glorify entrepreneurship and the grind because it's easy to talk about the outcome but it's impossible to talk about the process because it's an experience Mm. it's not a it's not a roadmap it's not a blueprint it's not a step-by-step it's an experience and everyone's different because everyone goes through different challenges whoever opens up the next legacy 2.0 might have different challenges than me and my experiences might help and educate them but at the end of the day, your challenges are your own and you have to overcome them. And people don't understand what those challenges and how to overcome them are until you're actually in it. So,
2: Man, teams, all that. Entrepreneurship, baby. I think it's really admirable that you and your wife are in business together. How has that synergy been?
1: Uh, it's been awesome, obviously everyone in business has their ups and downs or problems that you have to solve that are stressful whether it's financial or situational whatever that may be but uh i definitely would not be where i am today and we would not be where we are today without her and us working as a team
2: in schools that's how i'm trying to be <laughs> i'm trying to work with my wife <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's, what's, uh, what's next for Legacy, man? What's, what's, what's coming out the gate? Obviously, you got the program going on. You guys offer training, you know, there's pickup, drop in. What's next for Legacy? The plan
1: is to build a culture in Legacy that is for anybody of any age and any development or any place in their life to come in and utilize our place, whether it's the pro-ams with the hyper-competitive people whether it's the training with people wanting to learn the fundamentals, or whether our new club that we're starting in which people want an opportunity to gain exposure and to grow their game through our programs. The plan is to create the best programs in the city for athletes and people in Edmonton. After that, we will look to expand. We we are a one-court small basketball facility, And we're getting to the point where we want to help people on a broader scale. So the plan will be to expand in the near future.
2: I love that. And then, you know, when you got up to facility two and three and four and five, we're going to have to bring you back to the gift together. (laughs) (laughs) When Legacy is a franchise, I'll come back. (laughs) It's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool that we went from, you know, being in the gym 6 a.m. together, you know, going through the college life. Staying in my house. Yeah, staying in your house. Yeah, yeah. it was a fun time, you know. <laughs> Eating all your food. <laughs> Still didn't do the dishes. Never. Absolutely not. I'm, I'm, there's no dishes being done for me. Let's just get that out the way from now. Well, it was good times, man.
1: Lots of fun. And, you know, without without college and without the connections that we built, I'd never be where I am today. I'm sure you wouldn't be where you are today. It's those people that you meet. And having genuine, true connections with people, learning who they are as people, where they've come from, the experiences that they had, for them to learn your experiences and where you came from. You build those deep connections where you can lean on people and work together to build things in the future, like what we have today.
2: It's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty cool. You guys hear, heard it here first, man. Brett Jacobic, founder and of... Uh legacy athletics let them know where they can find you guys and uh where they can tap in tune into everything to do with legacy
1: uh you can follow us on instagram legacy athletics basketball check out our website LegacyAthletics.ca, um and facebook legacy athletics
2: basketball so
1: follow us check out all our stuff that we got if there's anything that you need
2: basketball wise hit us up we'll help you out you guys know you guys already know my man appreciate you coming here thank you for having me absolutely absolutely you guys know the vibes just like that we're gone